Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today as we talk about how you can set a new direction for your life when tragedy strikes. That's right. Sometimes tragedy can come. It can be a difficult moment and you don't know which way to turn. But I want to show you how a woman took her life and redirected it. How a person can change everything with an attitude. So stay with me. This is going to be a great sermon. You're on demand. Sit back, enjoy, and watch this message help you in your life. And send it to a friend if it blesses you, as I think it will. Enjoy the message. Hi, it's Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today. Now, today we're going to take you on a journey that I think is fantastic. It's a study about how a person deals with a difficult season in their life, a season they cannot avoid. It's called tragedy. And when tragedy strikes, you've got to decide which direction you're going to go in. Go left or you're going to go right. What exactly are you going to do with your life circumstance? Now, it's not going to change instantly. It's not going to go away. You're in this moment. And in the book of Ruth, there is a story that I want to share with you. And I want to show you that this woman managed to have this ability to decide to go this way, not that way. When life said all the wheels have come off and there's no reason to live anymore. Some of you are in that place right now. You're standing at the crossroads and you're dreaming of a new direction and you don't know which way to go. You're trying to find your footing. You're looking down at your feet and you're going, God, I need, I need a direction in my life. And I believe there can be a direction in your life. I believe you can dream again. As a matter of fact, let me just say this to you. That is our theme for the year. Every year I answer one question. How do you dream again is the question I'm asking this year. And then I try to answer it all year long. How do you dream again? And let me give you, if I can so far, the, the ways that I believe you can dream again. And there's some simple things that we've taught over the year that will help you kind of see this. So I'm going to give you a list of things so far this year, and you can see how it all fits. Number one, we said if you're going to dream again, you've got to have a strategy. Number one, dream with a strategy. You've got to make sure that you are clear about maturity and the importance of having a clear, powerful strategy. Secondly, you've got to dream with maturity. Get this right. Dream with a strategy, dream with maturity. You got to be a big boy, big girl. If you're going to dream again, you, you can't be childish. You got to face the facts. Number three, you got to dream with a plan. So, Pastor, what's the difference between dreaming with a strategy and a plan? Well, a strategy is kind of a broad statement. I want to be a lawyer. Okay, that's great. The plan is I got to go to law school. I've got to get my degrees. I have to you know, be, be discipled by somebody or, or mentored by somebody. So, there is a process you go through. That's the plan. It's more specific. It's more detailed. So if you're going to dream again, my message to you this year is, number one, have a strategy. Number two, you've got to make sure that you're mature. Number three, you've got to be willing to change. You ready? And write this down. Number four, you have to have, number four, confidence. You have to have confidence. You've got to be like, okay, really sure this is what you want to do. Now, confidence shouldn't be blinded. You know, you want to make sure you're not confident in something you're not good at. And then the next thing I said you got to do is you got to make sure you have financial clarity. You got to be clear about your money. I, I know that for Christian church people, there's this really difficult mountain they climb when it comes to finances. Uh, we just don't do well. I don't think we, for example, one of the mistakes we make is we teach people to give and not save and build assets. Church, in some, <laughs> church sometimes is not the best place to learn how to manage your money. It just isn't. Sorry. The only thing they teach you is to give. Give to, give to us, give to us, tithe, offering, give offerings, that's it. And I'm, I'm not saying that's not a good thing. I teach people to give. I teach people to honor God in tithing. I'm a big tither. I believe in giving. 
But I also believe that one of the mistakes in my life was not amassing more wealth so that I could do good. Now, I've done a decent job, but I could have done a better job if I understood the power and had financial clarity. What's really funny is I read all the financial books. I read all of the financial tools. I was a, I was a, I was a hobby of mine. But the problem was in the practical implementation of it, I allowed myself to be pulled into giving to things I shouldn't have given to. Money that I should have saved, I gave. There is a line you draw and you need to, you need, some of you need to get this because you are determined to be broke. You are determined, your church is determined, you are determined to never have anything. You keep forgetting one day you may not have a job. If you had to live off the assets you have, can you do that? And all of us can learn from uh, these trying times that you need to have cash and assets. Now, that may bother you in the middle of a sermon, but I want you to hear me. When you get to a place of tragedy, what do you do? Watch these ladies. I'm going to show you in a minute how they had to manage that tragedy. So here we go. Let's go through the list again. Make sure you follow me. If you're going to dream again, number one, I said you have to have a strategy. Number two, you have to have maturity. Number two, you have to dream with a plan. Number four, you have to dream with confidence. Number five, you got to dream with financial clarity. And then you have to dream without racism. Hmm. Talked about that a lot. That dropped in on us. Didn't plan to talk about that. Uh, if you're going to dream again, you can't have racial bias. Racial, racial bias is immaturity. It really is. I mean, the whole slavery thing was just a bunch of immature, didn't get it people who missed the boat when it came to what God felt for humanity. Why would God ever want you to enslave somebody? What is that about? Is it, I mean, come on, why don't you like somebody because they're black or white or whatever? Please give me a break. I understand that we've had racial tensions in America, but listen, a white person can only be white. Be white and proud. I'm black and proud. Be Asian and proud. Be Hispanic and proud. Be proud of who you are. If I could have chosen my colors, I would have chosen blue. I'm a blue guy. I like blue. I like black and blue. <laughs> Believe it or not, I do. Um, I just think it's just, you know, it, it's, it's a sign that you don't get it. Nobody is a worse person just because of the pigment of their skin. Uh, that's not true. Um, that's, that's really not true. Or their culture or what they've been exposed to. A white man can only be white. A black man can only be black. Just be, just be clear about that. But we talked about that. Go listen to the sermons if you want to hear what I said. Then I, I want, I want, we talked about the importance of, of uh, if you're going to dream, dream without blind spots. That was the next thing on the list. Dream without blind spots. If you're going to dream again, you got to make sure you deal with all the things you can't see. And that means you have to let people talk to you because you can't see everything. You can't know everything. And that's important. And then that brings us to our final talk for today. The series we're in right now, dreaming about a new direction, dreaming with the sense of I need a new plan for my life. Which way do I go? Left or right? You know, I'm standing there in my shoes and deciding this way or that way. Which way do I want to go? And in life, that's where you are sometimes. And I want to show you a woman who faced that. But she had this great skill, one that Jesus talked about. She could take a circumstance and she would match it with an, a current attitude, a current approach. She would say, OK, I lost my husband. What do I do about that? I have to change my life. I have to change my, my, my relationships. She was really amazing. And Jesus called it new wine and new wineskins. Let me read to you. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. It's a great verse. And it, it just lays a principle I want you to understand. And it shows you how Ruth uh, modeled this in her life. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Watch this. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. 
The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. New wineskins. Think about that for a second. New wine, new wineskins. Here's the bottom line of what he, he, he's saying. If you're going to have success with wine, which we don't deal with, right, that much. Some of you may, but not most of you. So, but anyway, if you take wine, it expands, right? So if you take um, a, an old wineskin bag, Jesus said, and you put new wine in it, it's going to burst because the wine's going to expand. And it, it just, it just not, that's not how you do it. If you have a new, new wine, you get a new wineskins and you pour it in there and that's how you do it. If you have a new circumstance, you need a new attitude. If you have a new technology, you need a new approach. If you're in a new season, you need a new, new approach to the season. New is new with new. That's how it works. The, the problem with a lot of us is your kids are at a new stage and you're still back where you were. New wine, new wineskins. You have to elevate your approach. We're in a new season and a lot of people don't like it. And I don't necessarily like all the elements of life today either, but I'm here. So I have to have a new approach. And I can't allow myself to be intimidated. I can't allow myself to say, okay, you know, let's just try to do what we used to do. What we used to do is not what's going to work today. New circumstance, new approach. If you can face that in your marriage, if you can face that with your finances, if you can face that and say, you know what? The way we saved money before, we can't save money. We have to, we have to up the game. The way we managed our strife. We have to go, <clears throat> okay, this is... <clears throat> a new day. <clears throat> All right. New day. Let's do it. A new day. Let's not go back to the old <clears throat> way we used to be, <clears throat> trying to live the way we used to. We can't. We have to say this is a new time. I can't be what I used to be. I have to be something different. And that takes courage and maturity, strategy, planning, all the things that were described in our study for the year. You're going to see wrapped up in this woman's life. You're going to watch her strategize, manage loss, and rise to a new place. Join me in Ruth chapter 1. Watch this. Ruth chapter 1 describes, first of all, a woman who suffers loss. Let me read for you the story. Chapter 1 of Ruth, verse, verse 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of, Mo, of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Melon and Shilion also died, tragically. So the women survived her two sons and her husband. Wow. Here's a woman now, Naomi, who has to live with the grief. Imagine that. The grief and sorrow of losing her son. And the first thing you notice is she had to endure it. Sometimes you just have to endure it. You have to manage loss. In my world, uh, because our church is of such size, I tend to see death quite a bit. A couple of weeks, to be honest. Sometimes it's one or two a week. Sometimes it's three. Sometimes it's more. And you have thousands of members. That's exactly what happens. You know, people die. And having to do funerals and having to negotiate with families through the pain, it's really amazing how you see the different ways people endure it. So the first thing I want you to notice is Naomi has to endure it. So Naomi has two sons. First, her husband dies, right? And then later she has two sons who both die, and they leave her with the wives, Ruth and Oprah. So now here they are. 
And now watch with me how the second thing they do, the first thing they endure it, the second thing they do is they don't allow it to stop them. I can't, I can't, um, I can't say enough how important it is that you don't allow a tragedy to stop you. For some of you, once you lost somebody, you, you, never, you never got past it. You're still at the funeral. You are still there and you have not gotten past it. You're trying to pretend that you're okay, but in reality, you're not okay. You have lost weight. Let me read the verse for you, verse 11. Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. I just can't imagine how tragic this is and how hard this is for her. You've lost your husband. You've lost your life. You've endured it. You sat there and now you've you tried not to allow it to stop you. You, tr you tried to press past it. But here are these girls trying to follow you. And she says to them, listen, please go home. Go back to your families. Um, I, I don't I cannot. I cannot help you, but I want you to watch how Ruth responds to change. First thing I want you to see is look at her approach to change and watch what happens. First of all, Naomi's approach is I want you to go back home. Ruth's approach is watch what she says in verse verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you, you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more if I leave. If anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go, she, she stopped speaking to her. Now, I want you to go back again and read verse 11 one more time. Watch Naomi's attitude compare it to hers. Look at verse 11. Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb they, that, they shall, uh, that, uh, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. Notice Notice with me, Naomi embraces the loss. That's good. She embraces it and says, hey, I got to start a new life. But watch, watch the attitude of Ruth. Ruth says, I'm not leaving. I'm staying in this relationship. This is, these are the right people. This is the right person. And I'm not leaving. She refuses to leave. Notice how one person responds to change and how the other person responds to change. How do you respond to it? Do you give up and surrender? Or do you fight forward? I love her fight forward attitude. I like her determination to not let this moment define her. Some of you have been defined by a loss. You've been defined by a bad moment. You've been defined by a, a tragedy. It has relabeled you. Naomi is tempted. And you'll see this more in her story if you read it on your own there in chapter two. She gets really, I mean, she says the Lord's abandoned me. The Lord's forsaken me and brought shame to me. Now she has to go all the way back home and no money, no husband, no place to live. Just it's tragic. It's a complete defeat. No grandkids, nothing. But not Ruth. Ruth looks at this moment and says, OK, um, I've suffered great loss. I'm about to change. And she says, I'm going to change and go and live with people that I don't even know because I'm going to stay with Naomi. This is a good place to be. Sometimes you have to notice the good place you're in. This is a better place. 
So she fights to stay in this good relationship. She, she lost her husband, but she knows God gave her Naomi. And she basically says, I'm not leaving. Don't ask me to leave. And he said, where you go, I will go. Look at it again. Verse, verse 16. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. Penny, plain, put it on the table. I'm not leaving. I like this girl. You know what I like about her? Her attitude toward change. Some of us are living in a circumstance that's changed. It's not fun. It's not easy. But it's where we are. So what does she do? The third thing that impresses me. I, I'm impressed with her approach to loss. I'm impressed with her approach to change. And I'm impressed with her approach to work. That's right. She says, let's go back to work. She goes back to Naomi's hometown with Naomi. They greet her. They're all sorry for her loss. She's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. She's left in glory, came back in shame. She feels extremely defeated. But not, not Ruth. Ruth decides, okay, we lost a lot. But listen to what she says. This is so incredible. It's in chapter 2. Watch what she says. This is important. Chapter 2, verse 2. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Wow. You know, she says, I need to go back to work. I can't sit around here and feel sorry for myself. I have to have an income. We need an income. Somebody's got to work. Somebody's got to get over this. Some, I can't spend the rest of my life at the funeral. I can't spend the rest of my life grieving. This is in no way meant to say that you don't love your loved one. But here's what I believe. When my mother died in 1999, August of 1999, it was important for me not to stay at the funeral and still be there years later. It's important for me not to be standing over her grave every day grieving her loss. That is not why she scrubbed floors for me to get a degree or to get degrees and to have the success I've had. She did that so that I could live when she died. I don't I don't there's no there's no glory in and just saying the person's name over and over again and crying every birthday and crying every every holiday and going through all of that. I want to live my life in such a way. Now, this is my testimony. This is my desire. OK, I'm an only child, by the way, raised just by my mom, by myself, just the two of us. And I want to be clear. Uh, there is something about understanding that you in your life can either sit there at the grave and be lost or you can change. You can look at Ruth and change and you can go back. Number three to work. It's up to you. You can decide if that's your strategy. Ask yourself, is this a good strategy? Is this, am I being mature right now doing it this way? Is this a good plan that I'm implementing right now? Is this, the, is this the kind of confidence I need to be successful? Is this a good financial strategy? What am I doing? Is, am, am, I, am I on the road to success or failure? Where am I headed? What's going to happen in my life if I stay here at this gravesite, at this funeral for the rest of my life? I understand they were important to you, but I want you to pause for a second and think about this. Look at this young girl go back to work. I need to go to work. It's her idea. She take, I love the fact that she took initiative. She's self-motivated. 
And number two, not only is she self-motivated, watch what's going to happen. Because she goes back to work, she's going to be noticed. Man, look at, look at verse three. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to the servants, who was in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Notice how she said, please let me work. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Notice, notice, this is the guy who's noticing a woman who has integrity, who's self-motivated, who has lost a lot, but she's not allowing herself to stay there. She's diligent. I love it. I just love it. Is that you? Would, would somebody notice you? Who, who highlights your work? You may highlight it. You know, you, you talk about your own gifts, but who talks about what you've done? This is an incredible moment. So what's going to happen? Favor is going to follow her. Watch what happens. It's an amazing story. Watch what happens. Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter. Will you, will you not? Do not glean in any other field, nor go from here. But stay close to, you, to the young men, women and let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And where you are, when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Verse 11, Boaz answered and said, it has been fully reported to me all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband and how you have left your father and your mother and your land of birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Hang with me. Verse 12, the Lord will repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord and God of Israel under whose wings you have found refuge. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Then Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here, girl, eat some bread, dip your, your piece of bread in the, vin in the vin vinegar. So she ate beside the reapers. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed he passed, Boaz passed, parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. Pause for a second. Let me tell you something. I read a lot, didn't a lot of verses. I know. Had to read it. I want you to see the story. I want you to see how God just reached down and said, girl, come here. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me put favor on your life. You were faithful. You, were, you had a good attitude. You were in a bad circumstance, but you did not give in. You did not surrender. Let me bless you. That's what happens when you don't get stuck at the grave. That's what happens when you embrace change. That's what happens when you go back to work. Favor can follow you. God can give you opportunity. God can open doors for you, but he can't open doors for you if you can't pick a direction. Our church has to face the, the, the loss. Our church has to face the change. Our church has to pick a new direction. We can't allow ourselves to be stuck at the grave. 
weeping and crying over what we lost or what's not happening right now or what will not happen for the next few weeks or months. We have to say, let's build something new from where we are. And that's, my friend, important. And you need to see that. So I want you to think about it. I want you to think about where you're going. I want you to think about what you're doing now. I'm going to close with this final thought. She's a model for us. She's an example of what we need to do. I want to know, are you willing? I want to know if you're willing to bow your head and bow your heart and say, God, you know, I realize that I need to change. I need to change today. I need to look at this story and learn from it. And hopefully what it does is it sets off some alarms in your mind. Ah, alarms. That's our next key word. Boaz and Ruth end up getting married. By the way, if you read the rest of the love story, it's a great story in chapter four. I'm not going to deal with it today, but I want you to think about this. At the end of the day, God had a plan for Ruth. It all starts with her attitude. She ends up moving to a new place, finding a new husband, and ends up in an incredibly prosperous position, all because of her attitude. Her approach to loss, her approach to change, her, her approach to mm, work. Those three things led her to a better place. They'll lead you to a better place. That, my friend, is a better plan. That, my friend, is a better strategy for you. But what's really powerful is what we're going to talk about next time. You know, one of the reasons that God can't help us while we can't see our attitudes is because there are no alarms. There are no alarms. I'll say it again. Next week, I'm going to turn and I'm going to talk about alarms. There's a verse that I want you to look at. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. Read ahead of me if you'd like. And I'm going to talk about building your own house. And how God's called us to build a house. Build our future. You have to be a part of this building process. But when you build your house, basically what I'm going to show you next week is put some alarms in there. Why is it that you are never bothered by certain things? You have a dream. You want to find a new direction. And God wants to guide you in a new direction. But when you get into certain places, there is no sense of alarm at all. I want to talk about that next week. I want to show you the importance of having alarms. Why don't, why don't certain things bother you? Why, why did you go that way that long and never get off? You see, when you look at Ruth's life, there are alarms. Alarm went off when she realized she didn't have any money. An alarm went off when her husband died. She realized she couldn't stay here. When the choice came to leave or stay, she said, alarm went off. Oh, no, I can't stay here. That's, that's not an option. I need to go with you, Naomi. And when she got to where Naomi's, Naomi's home, she realized, ah, I can't sit around all day. Alarm went off. I got to go to work. I've got to go to work. I've, I've got to get going. I can't sit around. How come there are no alarms going off in your life? Why is it that you're not bothered by where you are. Look around your house. Why, why does this not bother you? Why does the stuff everywhere not bother you? Why? Why does the strife in your life and your marriage doesn't bother you? Why? Why have you accepted the state of your financial situation? Why have you not banded together as a team, as a church? Why haven't your church said, listen, let's fix it. Let's fix everything. Let's fix our finances. Let's fix our salaries. Let's fix everything. Let's fix everything. Let's organize, let's plan, let's go, let's get it done. Let's go back to work. Let's get in the field. Let's bend our backs a little bit. Let's not be afraid. Why are there no alarms and you're in this situation? Maybe that's something we need to talk about. 
You might be building the wrong kind of house. You might be creating something that you really don't want. But that's next week. We'll talk more about that then. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be with your people. I thank you for all that we've talked about. And I thank you for this discussion. I pray that this time has been helpful. And may they leave this time with an inspired passion to allow God to lift them to a new place. May this be the moment. May this example that this woman has shown us be something we embrace. How to manage loss, how to manage change, and how, Lord God, to be the kind of people who are not afraid to build the future with confidence and we're not afraid and not intimidated. God, we are called by you to reach to the future. We're called by you to not be afraid of anything that we face. And so I lay before you all those who are facing challenges physically. I pray for healing in their bodies. I pray for restoration in their life. I pray for those who've lost jobs and those who've lost this, who are going through a mighty moment of challenge. Healing and grace to them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, thank you for being with me these, these few minutes. I hope you were blessed by what we talked about. I want to encourage you to do something for me. I want you to feel free to reach out to us, if you would, please, if you need prayer. If there's something in your life you want me to pray for you about, just email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. And if you just said, Pastor, I really, really, really thank God for what you've said today and you have a question you want to ask me, just email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Some of you have been watching us for a while and you've been, I've been talking to quite a few of you around the country and you're interested in being a member or a friend of our ministry. You're saying, you know, I, I, might want to, I might want to connect with you guys. I really like what I hear. I want to be a part. And you don't have to necessarily be in our city. The world is so changed that we now I have knocked down all the walls and you can reach out and become a part of us. A member is somebody who really wants to be a connected person. You want to be a supporter. You want to be a part of the church. And uh, we got to find out how that's going to work because it's, it's different nowadays because all the walls are torn down. People are in Texas and Alabama and Mississippi and all, over, all overseas. But if you want to be a member, feel free to reach out. And if you want to be a friend, say, no, nah, I just want to be a friend. I want to be on the friend list. I want to be part of that group that just kind of gathers together. And we're going to have in the fall, few soon, some gatherings for friends and members online only. People that just watch us online and we'd love to get to know you. So feel free if you want to be on either list, the friend list or the member list. Just email me at pastoratovercomingbyfaith.org. And some of you that have already done that, look forward to our meeting coming up. It'll be within the fall, pretty soon, within a few weeks. We're going to have our first gathering together and we'll tell you more about that coming up. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being here. And again, thank you for supporting us. Many of you do that. And if you were not here earlier, let me simply say, if you missed... Well, I pray you're blessed by today's message and I hope you see how favor can come on your life when you do the right thing, when you make the right decisions, when you have the right work ethic, when you have the right attitude, when you're the kind of person who says, I'm not going to let what happened to me destroy me. Now, some of you have gone through some very hard times, but this does not have to be the end of all of your life. You don't have to sit there and grieve over a lost loved one or grieved over a season when you don't have the income you thought you uh, used to have. You can become new. You can become a new creation. All things can be changed in your life and you can have joy again. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message and they find themselves saying, that's me. I've been over grieving. I've been grieving too much about the loss in my life. I have not picked up myself and decided to get around the right people. I have not allowed myself to go back to work and take charge of my finances. Father, I pray this sermon inspired them to dream again and pick a new direction for their life despite the tragedy they faced. And I give you all the praise for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, thank you for being with us today. I have enjoyed being with you. I pray you were blessed by this on-demand message. I want you to send this to a friend. I want you to let somebody that needs this get it 
This is a gift you can share with somebody. And I hope you were blessed again. You take care. I'll see you next time right here on demand. Be blessed. Bye-bye.